So Money episode 436, Carrie Carbonaro, author of The Money Queen's Guide. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Thank you for joining me. Uh, We are dedicating today's episode to women and money. Let's face it, we do a lot of women and money here on So Money. And some of you men are writing in a little upset about that. I'm sorry. It just it seems to be where we gravitate some days. And frankly, I get a lot of pitches from women. So if men, you want to be a bigger part of this conversation we're having about money and wealth and, and financial empowerment, pitch me. I'd love to, you know, I think I do a pretty good job of keeping it 50-50 male-female on the show. But uh, I feel that sometimes when we do talk about women and money and empowerment, it's uh, for me, uh, a very memorable episode and one that I'm very passionate to really discuss. So maybe that's why it sticks out. But anywho, Carrie Carbonaro is here today. She's a certified financial planner and author of The Money Queen's Guide for Women Who Want to Build Wealth and Banish Fear. It is an Amazon bestseller, recently named one of the top 10 books to make you rich by Daily Worth. Carrie has over 25 years of experience in financial services. She has her MBA in finance. And in 2014, she was named an ambassador for the CFP board, one of only 50 in the country. She frequently appears on television, the Today Show, Fox and Friends, CNN, and she's also the vice president of the Long Island chapter of Elevate, formerly 85 Broads, which is a women's professional networking organization led up by none other than Sally Krawcheck, who has also been on So Money. Carrie's going to talk about why she wanted to write the Money Queen's Guide. You know, it's not just because she believes that you know women should be financially empowered. It's because she had a very difficult story to share with the world, a, a story that you know she has learned from, that she has risen from, and she is stronger because of it. But it was a very, very dark time in her life, financially, emotionally, and we, we go into that, we explore that on the show. I was curious about why she wanted to make fear such a big part of the book, that you know women, she believes, tend to have more financial fear than men. We have this nightmare, some of us, of becoming the bag lady. And why is that still an issue today, 2016? I feel like women, especially modern women, young women who are going to college, starting businesses, why do they still have this apprehensiveness when it comes to being wealthy and being rich and being financially secure? Just, you know, your usual run-of-the-mill conversation about money. Just kidding. This is so money. What do you expect? Here is Carrie Carbonaro. Carrie Carbonaro, author of The Money Queen's Guide. Welcome to So Money. Thank you so much for having me. So happy to be here. You've been working in this finance space as a certified financial planner for years with over 25 years of experience. You have an MBA in finance. Your specialty lately, at least, seems to be women. What's your take? Are you optimistic about women in finance uh, in, in the coming years? I am. 
I am too. You know why? I feel like, um, you know, we've always been forgotten. They've, we've always been less financially literate than men. You know, we've retired with two thirds less. We always make less. We have less. We invest less. You know, we, we live longer. So we have like every strike against us, you know, but I think that it's, I feel like it's starting to change because, well, first of all, your book, When Women Make More, that's, you know, one thing is that we are actually making a lot of money now. And I think that women are really starting to say, okay, I need to own my financial future because, I mean, that would be my, my life goal would be that every woman wakes up and says, I would like to be responsible for my financial future. Right. And not rely on anybody else. Like that would be my ultimate, like then like the world is good in my, in my opinion. You know, I, I recently did, a, um, uh, I guess it was like a women, the workplace and money, but it was for a high school. And so I talked about my book and I talked about women and money and careers and all that kind of stuff. And I actually asked the girls, now it was a wealthy enclave in um, New Canaan. Um, maybe I shouldn't have said the town, but anyway, I mean, it's all, it's online, so it's okay. I can say the town. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, so they, I asked the girls that were there, I said, how many of you girls think that you're going to be, you know, supporting yourselves financially? And out of about 150 girls, maybe three hands went up. What? Why do you think your book, so your book, the subtitle is for women who want to build wealth and banish fear. Right. How big of a component is fear? I'm, I guess I just grew up fearless around money. That, that, that comes with good and bad. Cause you know, you, sometimes you make some dumb, dumb, risky mistakes, but why are women vulnerable so, to this, to this emotion more yes. than maybe men? Well, you know, it's, and, and it's funny because you either have it or you don't, and it's the bag lady fear. Right. So it, there's, believe it or not, I mean, more than 50% of women have the bag lady fear. And what, that, that our, that our men are going to leave us because so, no, that so we're going to so wind up homeless and penniless and on the streets. Divorce? Yeah, well, it's 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 more of that we think that we're going to wind up on the streets with nobody, with nothing, and you know, penniless and you know, pushing a pushing a bag on the streets. So, and the funny thing is, so in my book, I isolate you know one of the groups of those women, which actually I fall into which is, you know, I called them the designer bag ladies. I was originally going to call them the Gucci bag ladies, but they wouldn't let me use that title. But it's the wealthy women who make over $200,000 a year, 27% of them, including myself, fall into that category that still have the bag lady fear. And it's almost irrational because we can take care of ourselves financially, but we still have the fear. What perpetuates it? I mean, you would think, I think it's all irrational. It's not partly, partially it, rational. Yes. Like the numbers speak for themselves. You have the income. Exactly. You just it is completely make irrational. the right decisions. Think, you know um, what it is? This is what my therapist is. My therapist yeah, tell says, me your therapist. it's not is. rational. It's emotional. It's an emotional fear that's not rational. So yes, exactly. So, I mean, I know my numbers. I mean, I deal with the numbers every day. I deal with my clients' numbers every day. I deal with my own numbers. I know... You know, I'm not going to be a bag lady on the streets. However, my fear is <laughs> that sometimes something bad could happen, that it could happen. And ironically, in my story of my uh, my that I wanted to share with the world, which is, you know, the Money Queen's Guide, I do share that my worst fears actually at one point in my life almost came true uh, when I went through my horrible divorce and I had uh, financial infidelity happen to me. Mm-hmm. So. 
here I am doing all the right moves with money, knowing everything to do right. And I still was bleeding cash and, you know, went through my emergency fund and, uh, you know, all the, all the horrible things that happened. So I use it as a cautionary tale to try to help other women to never be in this situation and never, you know, never be a victim if if they can help it. I mean, obviously nobody wants to be a victim, but you know, to, to be powerful and not fearful. Looking back on your relationship and the financial infidelity, even though you fe- you felt in the moment that there was nothing you could have done to prevent it or see it coming, in hindsight, do you see that there were signs? Well, you know what? I think the fact that um, there was no full disclosure, which I think is, you know, incredibly important um, when you're merging your lives, you know, and that I think that money is a litmus test for your relationship positive or negative. Um, and I think that the fact that he was never fully, you know, disclosing assets or income with me should have been a huge red flag, but the way he spun it was, I have so much more than you. It doesn't matter. (laughs) And then I was like, okay, well maybe he does. So maybe it doesn't matter. (laughs) Hmm. And then, so ultimately what did you discover? What was that financial infidelity looking like? What, what, what was under the cloak? So, yeah. So under the cloak was, um, bad credit, which I was not expecting, you know, unpaid student loans, massive, massive debt. Um, and then all his money that he had was in offshore bank accounts that could not be accessed by regular forensic accounting. Let's just put it that way. And he happened to be a master because he was, um, uh, an attorney and a CPA. Mm. And so he, and also had a lot of offshore experience. So pretty much everything he did was to not show money and to defraud and to defraud me and to make it seem that um, he was going to pretty much take me for every single penny I had and for the rest of my life as well. How did you fight back? How did you fight back exactly? pretty scary. Um, well, you know, I mean, it was hard. I have to tell you, it's really the hardest part of my life. And I got through it with counseling and, you know, a lot of attorneys and, um, you know, forensic accountants and all of that. And, you know, I came out on the other side, but he never really paid for it. So, I mean, I actually had to pay him to get out of the marriage and he, as far as I'm concerned, pretty much got away with it. And I just, walked away with my freedom. And, and, and at the end of the day, it was worth it because, you know, my freedom was worth it because I can move forward in my life, which is where I am right now. So, I mean, I have completely, you know, risen from, from the ashes. Um, and that's why I want to tell my story and share it with others because I want it to be empowering. And I want, I want women to know that they can do this too. If I was as low as I was and I came out of it and, you know, anybody else can do it too. And what saved you, it sounds like, was basically having your own money. Even though it was yes. less than his, it was enough yes. to get you out of that fire. That's exactly right. And I also, thank God, had a massive emergency fund. And if I didn't have that, I mean, I would have had to go into debt like everybody else does normally to get at. Or a lot of women, what happens when they go through those crazy kind of divorces, you know, with, you know, massive six-figure um costs to the attorneys, what happens is they usually just stop fighting and they just give up because they run out of money. Right. Right. 
And I didn't, I, you know, I wasn't going to do it. I mean, I did what I had to do. And luckily I had everything that I always tell my clients to have. And it saved me. It literally saved my life. What's your financial philosophy, Carrie, given now that you've had all these experiences, your 25 plus years in the industry, your own personal experiences, good and bad with money. What's your overarching money mantra? My overarching money mantra is that every woman should be financially illiterate and a man is not a plan. A man is not and a plan, nor is Prince Charming or whatever you want to call right, him. Right, exactly. And and you know what? And it's not that I don't think that people should be happily married and I'm, I'm happily married now and I have a fabulous financial life partner, but I still want would rely on myself. And if you have somebody for a time in your life or a season in your life, that, you know, you can contribute together. That's fabulous. But just know that there's so much uncertainty in life with divorce and death and um, everything else that goes on that you still should be able to stand on your own feet financially, no matter what. I mean, just think about how lucky you were that you were able to leave on your own. And I get pitches sometimes for topics around financial abuse, which is also unspoken. It's this, you know, this what reality of people in relationships, men, women, who are beholden to their partner's uh, abuse and they can't leave. And it's because they don't have money to leave. They leave, right. they will become the bag lady. They will become homeless. Right. And so they stay in right. the relationship, even though it's completely to their detriment. Do you really think that women still think having a man is a plan? I feel like modern women shouldn't think that. I mean, is it, how ingrained is that in our psyche? I would say... If you asked me this question before I did that little um, speech at New Canaan, Connecticut, I would have said, well, you know, the younger generation, you know, generation uh, Y and Z, they don't think that. But I think that they might, they might still. So I don't know. It, I, I would love to see a study on it because it's, you know, and that's the other thing is, you know, we don't have that many specific female studies about this, you know, everything I, uh, everything that's out there, I've read probably so have you. And so I don't know, I don't really know the answer to that, but it would be a really beautiful study if we could get it. (laughs) My guess is that you grew up financially confident because you pursued finance. You're interested in this. That was born from somewhere, but what was, what was your childhood like? What was your greatest money memory? Sure. So, well, I was very fortunate and you're right. I did grow up very confident around money. So my dad was a banker and we, I had a fabulous bond with my, my dad who passed away in 2005 and we bonded over money. So my entire life growing up at a very young age, I did everything with my dad, the banker, and we did silly things that you would think were silly um, that a, that a, a father and daughter would do, like go to foreclosure auctions and go to watch the Dolan's straight talk about money seminars. And that's actually how I grew up. So I literally grew up learning money 24 seven. You know, so there was one house that we both that I went with him and he bought it foreclosure. I say we <laughs> he bought it. I was like 11. But so that he bought a house at foreclosure that he knew he was going to rent. And so he had run the numbers ahead of time. It was a two family in Long Island. He knew what he wanted to pay. He bought it. And then, you know, he bought it at a foreclosure. He had to come with a with a certified check just in case he was going to buy and it. You witnessed so, all of this. Quite all of it. Wow. All of it. 
I was I was in there with the mix. I feel like I bought the house too. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I remember growing up, my parents were going to open houses. I'd go with them. They wouldn't explain everything to me, but just being there, you pick up on things. And I remember, for example, too, my mom would go to department stores to pay off her store credit card. And I would see her go in with cash and pay it off at the counter. And, you know, when I got older, I would ask her about it and she'd tell me and so sometimes you can just raise financially literate people, little people, by just taking them along for the ride. I totally agree with you. The other thing that my dad would take me to, which was really interesting because I think I'm a little older than you. So it was before take your daughter to work day was actually a, an actual thing. And so he used to take me to work probably from the time I was five. And, he, and so I used to go with him to, you know, J.P. Morgan Chase you know, corporate headquarter banking things. And, you know, I was always there from five through, you know, 18, I was going before they had, you know, the take your daughter to work day. So I was like a fixture there. So I knew what it was like to work there. I knew, you know, obviously everybody was nice to me because I was, you know, the, the boss's daughter, but still, I still experienced what it was like to be in the workforce. And you liked the culture. I did. I loved it. So money listeners, I want to take a minute to tell you about our latest sponsor, Ting. Ting is a mobile phone service focused on customer service and saving people money. With Ting, you'll only pay for what you use and you can view your usage through their easy to use online dashboard. And if you ever need help, you get to speak to a person, not a phone tree. Ting's nationwide network works with both GSM and CDMA and works with 80% of current devices. Visit somoney.ting.com today and you'll get $25 towards your first device or your Ting service. If you're looking to upgrade, that's no problem. Ting has plenty of device options for you in their online shop. Once you have the device you want, Ting will walk you through getting started, including carrying over your existing number or getting a new one. At the end of the month, you'll get an easy to read bill based on your usage. All you have to lose is your cell phone contract. So visit somoney.ting.com to get your $25 credit today. That's interesting to me. I, I feel like it's not super welcoming to women, uh, even even today. Well, you know, and it's funny because I don't think it was either. I think that I was I had a disproportionate positive experience because my father was such a well loved um you know, manager or SVP, whatever in in that, in the banking industry that everybody wanted to work for him and he was beloved. Mm -hmm. So when I decided to go into that field, I sort of had the halo effect of, um, being my daughter, you know, being my father's daughter. And so everybody was super nice to me. So I never felt like I got backstabbed or, you know, any of that kind of stuff that really happens in the real world. But then of course, as soon as I left JP Morgan Chase, then I, then I got the real world slapped upon me. Your book has a number of sobering statistics, Carrie, about women and money. Some of them are positive, but some of them yes. I to, I, my jaw dropped. One of them was only 11% of women in their 20s are very confident that they will be able to fully ret retire with a comfortable lifestyle. Why, why are so, young so many young women disheartened, not optimistic, not confident? You know, I don't really know except that We'll get back to the fact that they're either not they're not learning it from their parents. They're you know, they're not learning it in school. There's no place for them to learn financial literacy. You know, our 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 society does not actually reward, 
you know, the good financial planning behaviors, you know, it's a me generation and I want it now and it doesn't, you know, credit cards are free money type thing. So I think it's a combination of all those things. And then the fact that student loan debt is so high, you know, the fact that people don't even look at when they're going to, when they're picking the college, how much is this going to cost me when I get out? You know, nobody's doing the cost benefit analysis. So they're already starting out behind the eight ball. I think it's a combination of all of that. And then get this over 40% of women all women believe that being financially independent would make them intimidating or unattractive to men. I, I know this. I wrote a book about it. Third, believe it can alienate other women. So we're actually threatened by financial success. We feel that it could alienate us from the people that we want to love us and, and connect yes. with. That's kind of sad. Yes. It's so sad. You know, it's interesting. I always say like with my girlfriends, you know, we talk about sex. We talk about uh, love. We talk about everything intimate, but we don't talk about our 401ks or how much money we have in the bank. No. Right? No. I think we just have to position it differently. Like we, 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 it's a mindset shift, right? We think of money as this very dry thing, numbers driven, but I look at it as goals. You know, when you have right. money, then you can craft a life for yourself. And that's exciting. Yeah. So maybe shifting the conversation to talk about our hopes and dreams and how money is yeah. going to support that. That's more exciting. Yes. It's financial freedom. I mean, that's what it's all about. It's all about financial freedom. I mean, that's what I would want for, I want that for all women. I want financial freedom for all women to be able to live the life that they want. What that's your, what I want. Carrie, what was your personal number one money moment? Your so money moment. Let's see. I would say when I paid off my mortgage, that was, was that early. Big, no, that was actually, um, no, that was later in life. That was when I was in, let's see, I'm 48 now. So I paid it off when I was 45 and that was a big, um, moment for me in my life to be, you know, completely, completely debt free and have an owing no one. And that was a beautiful moment in my life. I mean, it just felt like, ah, I've done it. I've arrived. Did I you pay nobody. extra towards the principal? Did you have a 20-year mortgage, a 15-year mortgage? Because I can't I, imagine I you had, had it. I originally had a 30 and I paid extra and then I paid it off in a chunk. And then I took a chunk and paid it off. So why was that important to you? Because we also hear that having a mortgage paying the interest, while it's a pain, it's a nice tax break. Um, people aren't quick to pay off their mortgage just to be able to reduce their taxable income, which sometimes I feel like the math still doesn't work out. We just, exactly. just things that we tell ourselves. Yes, yes, yes. Well, believe it or not. So I could have, and I mean, I, this is what I do for a living. So I could have run uh, a financial planning scenario if I paid it off, you know, how much is it going to save me in taxes? It had nothing to do with that. It was, it was a back to my build wealth and banish fear. It was my fear component. I love having the fact that I don't owe a mortgage to anyone. Mm -hmm. And so it's more of it was a total emotional decision rather than a financial decision, which is why it was so impactful to me. What would you say was your number one financial failure? I mean, we just talked about your husband committing financial infidelity. You were the victim of that. And there perhaps wasn't anything you could have done besides maybe cutting, not married, getting him. not marrying him, divorcing him sooner. <laughs> uh, but what would you say was your biggest personal financial mistake? Okay. I would say my biggest personal financial mistake was 
leaving a very lucrative job before I was vested. And I left a lot of money on the table. And if I could do it again, I would not have left. I would have waited till I was vested and then I would have left. And knowing, you know, it's one of those things that sometimes I lose sleep over. It wakes me up in the middle of the night. I'm like, oh, why did I do that? So that was one of my biggest financial regrets in my life was to walk away from money. Hmm. We do that a lot sometimes when we don't negotiate for a raise, when we don't leave our jobs to start that business once and for all. Um, how important, you know, you, in your book, you talk about the five things that we can control when it comes to money. Um, yes. What about how much we make? You know, it's funny. Um, I, I see believe, that on the list. So I'm just You know, curious. it's funny because I believe I can control that. Um, but that's a hard one because like, so I'm in a profession where I don't have any limits on what I can make. You know, I, and actually I chose this profession because I have no limits on what I can make, you know, but I feel like depending on your career choice, that is not as simple as, you know, some careers you are limited in, you know, either by salary brackets or by, you know, what the, you know, what the company offers, you know, let's say you're a teacher or a nurse, you know, you're, you're in these brackets and, you know, the most you can hope for is maybe your, you know, cost of living raise. True. So of course, I, that's I a lot of us too. Think, that's, that's men yeah, and women. Yeah, I feel like it's a, it's a really hard one. Um, you know, obviously I think, you know, women are paid less than men because of the pay wage gap. And a lot of that has to do with, uh, I, in my experience, the two, the, two, the two main things is we negotiate less when we first get the job and then we're out of the workforce, either, you know, either raising children or caregiving. And that puts us behind the eight ball and we don't negotiate for ourselves during the time that we're working. And then we fall behind and it's not even on, it's not even conscious that we're falling behind. And then I think that most women need to find somebody who's going to advocate for them because advocating for themselves sometimes, according to the, you know, the Harvard Business Review study says that women who advocate for themselves, actually it's a negative. So you almost need an, uh, somebody else to do it for you. And then also knowing your worth when it comes to like, um, you know, salary charts and, you know, how much you'd make if you were a man type thing so that you can actually use that and the knowledge is power to negotiate for yourself. What's your take on if you had a client that came to you, let's say dual income household, and you've projected all these investment goals and they're about to have a child and the wife who may be the person making more or making a substantial income says, I'm going to opt out and raise this child. What would you say to this person? What, what needs to change or what would you, what would you advise? Okay. Well, I would definitely say, uh, and I've actually said this in the past, um, why would you stay home versus the spouse versus your husband? Mm. If the husband makes less, you know, I mean, obviously it's a conversation or the same. That they need, or the same. Yeah. It's a conversation that they need, that they need to have. And I'm sure, you know, I mean, it's hard for me because I, I didn't have children. I have a stepson who's, who's grown, but I didn't have children. And that was my choice. You know, my choice was to not have children. Um, so it's, it's hard for me to sit in that shoes and say, you know, okay, you know, you want to be a stay at home mom, but you know, it's one of the things that we work with, with my clients on the planning side, because if you're going to cut the income by 25% or 50% or 75%, it's got to be in the plan. Right. It's going to change things. Right. It's going to change a lot of things. 
And people aren't ready to make trade-offs, not significant ones. You know, they kind of want to have it all. Financial planning and financial literacy is all about choices. It's all about, you know, giving up something today for something in the future. And it's all, it's all about discipline and, you know, knowing that, hey, if I don't spend that $500 that I feel like buying a pair of shoes and I put that $500 in an S&P 500, you know, and I do it every single month, you know, in 10 years, it's going to be worth X. And so it's all, it's all about that. And even knowing that, okay, I need to not get something now because I'm going to get more in the future. What's your take on some of the automated money investment platforms out there as a financial planner? So I think that they're a great place to start. Um, you know, I like um, the fact that we've got, you know, all these robo advisors coming online and we've got all these women specific robo advisors coming online, which I think are great because a lot of times women need a place to start and they don't want to be intimidated. And it's a good place to, you know, I mean, even Vanguard has high minimums, which is also a good place to start, except, you know, this is actually might be better because it can give you a little bit of a little bit of a, you know, um, education on asset allocation and things like that. Um, but I think, you know, they're certainly not taking my job and, you know, I think that they're a great place to start, but, you know, once you get significant, wealth or assets, you know, you need to speak to a person, you need to be, you know, you need to be working with somebody who's looking at your entire situation, you know, and not just, you know, just, just the investment side of things. Right. I think just for investments, it's simple enough. It's cost effective enough, but certainly as we are sophisticated human beings, we have plans, we have needs that are beyond just retirement investments. It's like life insurance and savings accounts and um, contingency plans in case you get late, you know, lose your job or whatever. It's important to have sometimes in those cases, someone to help you along the way. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Carrie, let's do some so money fill in the blanks. Okay. This is when I throw out an unfinished sentence and you finish it. First thing that comes to mind. If I won the lottery tomorrow, let's say you got a hundred million bucks, the first thing I would do is open a foundation. What kind of foundation? For women and financial literacy, because it's the most important thing to me. Yeah. Do you think it's possible to become financially literate in like high school and have that carry you through life? Sometimes I feel like learning too much too soon is not going to stick. You have to go through the the cycles of life and the failures sometimes to learn the hard way or just in, in a more adult way. I feel like I would like it to be starting in, in, in high school just because um, it's a good place to start. Um, are you going to learn everything? No, but it's a, at least you learn something. If you, if you learn something, you're better off than coming out of college at 22 years old and having not a clue. Right. A little bit can go a long way, but we can't right. expect it all to be just done in high school. It's it's a life it's a life lesson, lifelong lessons that we're learning, and we're still learning. Yes. When I spend, the one thing I like to splurge on is pocketbooks. Yeah, your pocket, <laughs> the Gucci bag. <laughs> well, actually, now I'm I'm Chanel almost exclusively, so I've upgraded myself. <laughs> I can't bring myself to it. I mean, I have a little wallet. Uh, the wallet on a chain. Wallet on a chain. I love that. It's, <laughs> I like get a lot of mileage out of it. And that's important to me. I always go about by cost per use because that's how the only way I can justify the price tag. But me too. To, to graduate to like an actual Gucci or sorry, Chanel bag, I don't know. I would always be thinking about time. what else I couldn't, what else yeah. I could have bought with that money. I don't know. It took, me a, it took me so long to get there. And actually, um, 
the reason I actually even fell in love with it is because it is my initials. So oh, I'm like, not, o- right. not only, CC. right. Not only is it a bag, it's my initials. So that's why I sort of was like, okay, it's classic. It holds. It's calling value my name. It's literally calling your name. Yes. So I'm like, that's kind of how I got. And I justify it in my head and they actually hold their value. So that's my justification. They also raise their prices every year. So yes, they do. <laughs> um, for what it's worth. Yes. One thing I spend on that makes my life easier or better is? Cleaning lady. All right. Yeah. That's, is that in your book? <laughs> Money queen I don't guy. know, but I, that's Hire certainly my life. Lady. I mean, I couldn't, that's a fabulous It's in my money. book. <laughs> it's, in the, it's in the chapter called Buy Yourself a Wife. And then make your life easier and better. Uh, we already learned about your charitable aspirations, starting the foundation. But when you currently, when you do donate, where do you, where do, where do your dollars go? So it's a good question. So I've got three main charities that I work with right now. One is go red for women again, women and, you know, health, health and, and heart. Uh, another one is the community foundation of South Lake women's giving Alliance. Hence the theme again, that goes to women and children in the area and we get to vote on which, who, what the cause is for the year. Um, my third charity is actually um, the Center for Financial Planning with um, the CFP board. And my pick is the WIN, which is the Women's Initiative. So again, all my charities are with women. Yeah, I'm sensing that yeah. theme. Do you have any male <laughs> clients? I do, actually. It, it's so, so funny because I don't discriminate against men, but... I don't have any single male clients. I mainly have couples. So I don't have one male client who's just a single male. It's always, it's just, it's usually couples. And I'm curious in those relationships, who's more vocal about everything? Well, I usually attend to attract strong women, mm-hmm. um, you know, and so in most cases, I mean, I probably have one client where the man is stronger than the woman, but in most of the cases, the female is very strong and usually the breadwinner. Wow. I should follow up with you on future <laughs> books or articles about <laughs> when she makes more. It seems like you might have a lot of anecdotes for me. <laughs> I do. And when I was growing up, the one thing I wish I had learned about money, even though your dad did a swell job, what what's the one thing that maybe you could have been better off knowing as a kid? Don't marry the wrong man. Oh, so important. We don't really have enough education around that, do we? Like how that to is, actually partner up with the right person. It's it's an ongoing, absolutely. well, 50% of marriages end in divorce. So there you go. Absolutely. I actually had given an advice to one of my clients once. So she's a financial planning client. And I had said to her, whatever you do, don't marry a narcissist. And she goes, you know what, Carrie, that was the best advice you gave me on anything ever in my life. And how do you identify a narcissist? I feel like it's always one of those things where we go, oh, yeah, they were a narcissist, but Like after the fact. After the fact, right. It's hard. I mean, now I'm at the point where because I I did marry one, I've read every single thing about it and I can spot one from like 100 miles away. Yeah, I could write the textbook at this point in my life. However, it took me a lot of years to get here. And I I certainly couldn't do it in my 20s. Well, Carrie, thank you so much. Everyone, the book is called The Money Queen's Guide for Women Who Want to Build Wealth and Banish Fear. But the advice, I think, is cross-gender. I mean, I think that all all people should read this, particularly women, obviously. But And I love that it's purple on the front cover. Purple is my favorite color, too. 
Oh, it's a it's the royalty beautiful color. It's the most beautiful color in the world. Carrie, thank you so much. Wishing you continued success. Thank you for the great work that you do. We hope to have you back again in the future. That would be fabulous. I would love it. And that's a wrap. Thanks so much to Carrie Carbonaro, author of The Money Queen's Guide, for coming on the show. If you'd like to buy her book or check out more of her work, it's moneyqueenguide.com. And Carrie's on Twitter at Carrie Carbonaro. If you have a question for me, send it in. Go over to somoneypodcast.com and click on Ask Farnoosh. And if you haven't yet, join our newsletter because that's where you're going to learn a lot about the behind the scenes, what's coming up. And it's just fun to connect with everybody that way sometimes. It's much more personal than, uh, you know, it can be very, it's a very personal way for me to connect with our audience. So please do that if you haven't yet. And in the meantime, I hope your day is so money.